Welcome to History Books and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino and let's dive into the past. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you a bit of history about the romance between Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip. So let's pour a glass of vino and dive into the royal past. Woohoo, I'm excited. Me too. This I love this be story. Fun. I think it's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. Uh, but before we dive into all this interesting information you're going to share with us, why don't we talk about what we're drinking? Eliza, you go first. All right. So today I'm drinking a wine that I picked up my local um, liquor store, I guess. But anyways, it's called uh-huh. The Critic. And it has on the front of it like an old ink pen. And yeah. above the R is a little ink stain. And I just really liked this um, because it like is writerly and I love to find like themed wines. I so know, I those that are was so much fun. fun. Yeah. And it's a Cab Sav, which is also perfect for me. It's a favorite. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, today I uh, just went to my wine cabinet and picked out what I had there because I I haven't made any special trips out. We have snow. Um, We're recording (laughs) this the mid-January. Yeah. Um, So I'm excited about the snow, but also don't want to get back out in it. So no way. (laughs) In my wine cabinet, I had, um, I believe I picked this up at either Costco or Sam's. It's the 14 Hands Winery Hot to Trot Smooth Red Blend. And it's just got a a feisty looking horse on it. Yeah. I like that. And that's also I think it'll be a fun one. Yeah. I like that. So um, we're going to get into the meat of this fun chat today. And well, here I go. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about this. Tell us all about Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip. Okay, so Queen Elizabeth II and her husband, Prince Philip, were married for 73 years before Prince Philip passed away. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Extremely long time. I know. Uh, In fact, it's one of the or I guess it is the longest of any royal marriage. Um, and it's okay. a great milestone for any marriage, you know? I, right? <laughs> I remember going to my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, right. and I'm like, that's amazing. 73 is little, really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. And fortunate that they got to spend that much time together. I know. And, I mean, they knew each other almost all of their lives, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth holds a lot of royal records, such as being the only female royal ever to serve active duty in military and being the longest ruling monarch in England for 70 years. And she's the second longest ruling monarch in the world, beat out only by King Louis XIV of France, who ruled for 72 years between 1643 and 1715. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. So it just kind of makes sense, too, that she would have like the record for the longest royal marriage, too. Yeah. So their love was real, and they had to really push to be together, as her parents weren't at first very amenable to the match. A lot of their early relationship was kept secret from the public and from people who knew them. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Intrigue. Mm Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth and Philip first met in 1934 at the wedding of Princess Marina of Greece and Denmark, who was Prince Philip's first cousin. 
and she was marrying Prince George, the Duke of Kent, who was Elizabeth's first cousin. Wow. At the yeah, <laughs> at the time, uh, Elizabeth was only eight, and Philip was thirteen. They met again in 1939 at the Royal Naval College of Dartmouth, where Philip was a cadet. And at that time, Elizabeth was 13 and he was 18. The young princess was smitten by the dashing Philip, especially when he treated her family's corgis to sweet head rubs, and then more as he wowed her by jumping effortlessly over the nets on the tennis court. (laughs) Okay. Well, first off, we know how much she loves her corgis. So that was like the the first thing thing. there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That he was so sweet to them. And he sounds like he was a hoot to be around. Right? Yep. Yeah. Definitely showing off. Um, Back in those days, he was called a blonde Viking and was Mm. strikingly handsome. And to show just how tough he was and possibly smitten himself, when the cadets escorted the royal yacht as it was departing the college in their rowboats, Philip rode, uh, Philip rode the furthest, continuing to follow the yacht out to sea after the other cadets grew tired and quit. Ooh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so sweet, actually. It is so sweet. Uh, right after that, um, they started to exchange letters, which lasted for several years, um, though at that time they were not exactly an item, they were just really good friends and had become pen pals. And I mm-hmm. think probably Elizabeth had a little bit of a crush. Yeah, well, you know what? That's great, though, because they had, like, a basis for a friendship before yeah. the basis for the marriage, which is great. Right. I love that. I mm-hmm. think that's a great thing to have for any marriage, right? Yes. You know, friends first, so. A few years later, in 1943, Philip came to stay at Windsor Castle during Christmas time when he was on leave. And every year at Christmas time, the princesses put on a performance play for their staff. Philip laughed the loudest at their Aladdin pantomime that they put on in the Waterloo chamber. Mm. And apparently the sound of his laughter echoed off the walls, which had been stripped bare of artwork and carpet. Ah, <laughs> that's great. Yes. Um, and apparently she was probably play acting more for Philip than anyone else in the audience as she had that little crush on him and was very excited that he was there. And that, and is, af- that is so cute. And also it just kind of reminds me of how down to earth she was. Yeah. Because I remember as, um, as a young teen pulling together mm-hmm. like performances with one of my friends and we did it right. in front of our parents. It's so fun, right? Yeah. It's so cute too. After uh, the the pantomime, um, in the evening, they turned on the gramophone, rolled back the carpets, and danced until almost one in the morning. Um, her sister was there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only stopped because their governess made remarks about beauty sleep and the reputation of the princesses, especially Margaret, who was only 13 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't do to be staying up all night dancing uh, with yeah. a young man. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'm surprised they they got to stay up as late as they did. Right? Exactly. They didn't see each other much uh, during the war at all, uh, World War II. And then finally, in 1945, they were reunited at the war's end. Um, Prince Philip would come to Buckingham Palace and dine with the princesses. And he would also escort them out to dance clubs and, and shows and things like that. And Margaret was always there for propriety's sake as sort of like, a pseudo chaperone even though she was young the younger sister yeah um and also because even though they were interested in each other they couldn't show themselves as a couple to the public because it would have like had all sorts of rumors spreading 
And being that she was at that time like heir to the throne, there was a lot of rules you had to follow as far as picking a partner. Mm-hmm. And all those rules are still in place, I think. Right? So, I Isn't mean, it there's crazy? A, a lot of restrictions on what royalty can do in public. Exactly. In 1946, after being invited to Balmoral Castle in Scotland by Elizabeth, despite his lack of appropriate titles and money that would make him a suitable match for a future queen, along with having four sisters who were married to Nazis, Philip confessed that he'd fallen in love with the princess and he proposed. However, as much as her father, King George, might have thought Philip a charming young man, he wasn't certain he was the right one for his daughter, who was still young, um, being only 20 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So he asked them to wait a year to announce any sort of engagement when she would at least be 21. Wow, that um, sounds like a pretty interesting compromise, you know. Right? I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of back and forth there. There definitely was. Um, and I think her parents also did it in hopes that, like, their love would fade because there was a lot of other things going on at the time, too. For example, um, Prince Philip was still, like, a Greek um, prince, basically, and there was mm-hmm. some civil unrest going on over there. So they didn't want any of that to reflect badly on their um, political, you know, standings in England. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, with his sisters and all of that, they just really weren't too keen on the match. Yeah. And that's understandable. Um, Yeah. And her mom is known to have said that Philip was a prince without a kingdom because he wasn't heir to the throne in Greece. Um, Mm -hmm. And so her parents even went so far as to sort of take her out of his company by going, making her go on uh, several months long tour to um, Africa and their other territories. (laughs) They really wanted to put some distance between them. (laughs) They really did. But their love didn't wane, and in 1947, they did formally announce their engagement. Aww. Yes. It worked out. It did. <laughs> and they really had to, like, fight pretty hard for it. Um, you know, the parliament wasn't necessarily particularly keen on it. I think they had to have a lot of conversations to get um, mm-hmm. it going. And I believe he had to, like, uh, renounce his um, citizenship. He had to, I think convert his religion as well because you have to be church of uh, england and i think he was catholic possibly um there was a lot of steps he had to take before they could even like make it legal basically wow that's great um that they were able to work through all that and they had such an endearing and long-lasting friendship and love for each other and it was evident in everything i've seen about them Mm -hmm. there's this one picture of them that i really love and it's just goes to show you that even when they were uh, elderly they loved each other so much so he is standing outside of i can't remember which castle it is but he's dressed in like the guards uniform with like the furry black hat Mm -hmm. and they're supposed to be super serious as they you know no smiling no talking nothing like that and she's walking past him and her head's down and you see her kind of laughing and then you see him smiling too. Aww. So like, you know, just them passing by each other when he's supposed to be super serious yeah, and she's giggling at him. It is really adorable. Well, thanks for sharing all those great facts. Uh, before we dive into the next stage of our program, which is going to be more fun facts, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break from, to hear from our sponsors. 
Hello there, history books and wine lovers. This is your host, Eliza Knight here, and I can't wait for this summer because I have a brand new book coming out. As you know, one of the reasons Lori and I started this podcast was our love of wine, history, and books. And guess what? I'm not just a podcast host, I'm also an author. So I have to ask you, do you like royals? How about corgis? Releasing on June 11th is my book, The Queen's Faithful Companion, an endearing and vivid story told from the unique multi-narrative viewpoints of a young Queen Elizabeth, Hannah Fenwick, the fictionalized keeper of the Queen's corgis, and yes, Susan, the Queen's corgi, whose love and loyalty were boundless. A reigning queen, a loyal servant, and a faithful companion. This is one book you're not going to want to miss. Early readers can't get enough of the Queen's Corgis, and I admit, I'm also completely obsessed. Right now, you can pre-order The Queen's Faithful Companion anywhere books are sold, or you can visit my website, www.elizanight.com, to pre-order there. Happy reading! Hi there, History Books and Wine listeners. Thanks for tuning in to our show. I'm one of your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey. Not only am I a podcaster, but I also write sweeping historical romances that will take you back in time and whisk you away on an adventure with action, intrigue, suspense, warring clans, tested loyalties, and love conquering all. My Highland Pride series follows the Cameron clan, in 17th century highlands when Scotland was fighting for their independence and honor and family were prized above all. Highland Deception, the first novel in the five-book series, won the National Reader's Choice Award and Holt Medallion for Best First Book and Best Historical. The entire Highland Pride series is available in print, ebook, or audio. For more information on how you can be swept away on my hero and heroine's journeys of growth and discovering their destinies in historic Scotland, visit my website at laurieannbailey.com. And we are back, and I can't wait to share a few more fun facts with you. Normally it's three, but I couldn't help myself, and I did way more than three. But I promise that's okay because I'm here for it. Yay! (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Good. So um, Philip and Elizabeth are third cousins. They share Queen Victoria as a great great grandmother. Philip's mother was Queen Victoria's great granddaughter, and also, by the way, present at her birth, I believe. And yeah, Queen Elizabeth's (laughs) father was her great grandson. Oh, wow. That's a lot of information in that one little tidbit. (laughs) It is a lot. I always just think it's funny because people are like, oh my gosh, they were cousins. And technically they were, but third cousins, I think, is pretty far removed. It's pretty distant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I found this to be a really interesting fact. Queen Elizabeth was only the 10th member of the royal family to be married at Westminster Abbey. Hmm. And the reason I found that so interesting is that the Abbey was built in 1269. So it's, you know, almost 800 years old and there's only been 10 people. Well, at least when she got married in the the, uh, uh, 40s, there was only 10 people before her to have been married there. Wow, that is interesting. 
And yeah. that's where all of them take place now. Is right? it? Is, isn't I that think where so. all yeah, the royal right. weddings are now? A lot of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Um, Elizabeth had a member of her staff sneak her corgi Susan into the carriage that she was going to take um, to her honeymoon, hidden beneath bas- uh, blankets. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It was a surprise to Philip, but he was a good sport about bringing her favorite dog along on their honeymoon. Oh, that's hilarious. And, well, and as we established earlier, he, he liked dogs, too. So yeah. they had that connection, which yep. is so cute. It is cute. Plus, it just shows like he was really tolerant of her like being like, oh, hey, I know it's just supposed to be us, but I'm bringing my dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, Elizabeth's engagement ring was made from the jewels of Prince Philip's mother's tiara. She was the Princess Alice of Battenberg. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. That I kind of like that. Yeah, it's cute. Because mm-hmm. he also, you know, he was basically poor. Like, you know, he lived off of allowances and like his salary in the military he wasn't you know a rich person or had any resources mm-hmm. and so that was another reason why her parents were like seriously like, yeah what's going on here um and so it was just really special for him to be able to give her a ring that he had provided versus like someone else giving him money to go buy one or something like that plus it had special meaning because it was his mother's tiara which you know normally a lot of well not normally but a lot of times people's engagement rings are like jewels from you know their husband's grandmother or mother mm-hmm. or something like that so i just thought that was cute it was really cute so another fun fact is that their wedding cake was nine feet tall oh my goodness <laughs> when that i read is that crazy right, i was just thinking like that is insanely tall like how did that not fall over yeah that's like <laughs> i mean just imagine standing next to right? that <laughs> what i was even thinking like my ceilings i think in my office might be nine feet mm-hmm. that is really tall that's and a big you know, cake how heavy must that have been seriously heavy yeah because you I know you watch had... those cake shows where they have to like yes. stack stuff and on top like of each other <laughs> leaning tower of cake <laughs> that's pretty oh. impressive yeah um, the last fact that I wanted to share is that Philip had a really cute nickname for Elizabeth, which was Mon Petit Chou, which is a French term for darling, but quite literally translate in English to little cabbage. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was cute Aww. and funny. <laughs> it is. Aww. Well, that was great. Thanks so much for sharing all that. I and it was a lot of information I'd never heard before. So lots Yay, of fun. Good, I'm glad. Thank um, you for listening. Yeah. So next up, Eliza, why don't you tell us what you are currently reading? So I just finished a hardcore binge read. Um, it was called Iron Flame. It's by Rebecca Yaros. And it's the sequel to Fourth Wing. And I had devoured both books. Um, it's interesting for me because it's not normally a genre that I read. It's got dragons and magic um, in it, uh, romance, which I love, but I don't normally read like books about dragons or magic, mm-hmm. and I could not get enough of it. I first read Fourth Wing because my older daughter was like, you have to read this book. It's the best book I've ever read. And so, of course, 
You have to read that, right? Yeah. So, uh, but Fourth Wing ends with a cliffhanger. So you really do need to read it before you read Iron Flame. So basically I'm suggesting both of those books. And I'll just give you a, a little rundown of the first book, which is Fourth Wing. Okay. So enter the brutal and elite world of a war college for dragon riders. 20-year-old Violet Sorengale was supposed to enter the scribe quadrant, living a quiet life among books and history. Now the commanding general, also known as her toughest talent's mother, has ordered Violet to join the hundreds of candidates striving to become the elite of Navarre, dragon riders. But when you're smaller than everyone else and your body is brittle, death is only a heartbeat away because dragons don't bond to fragile humans. They incinerate them. With fewer dragons willing to bond than cadets, most would kill Violet to better their own chances of success. The rest would kill her just for being her mother's daughter, like Zayden Grierson, the most powerful and ruthless wing leader in the Rider's Quadrant. She'll need every edge her wits can give her just to see the next sunrise. Yet with every day that passes, the war outside grows more deadly, the kingdom's protective wards are failing, and the death toll continues to rise. Even worse, Violet begins to suspect leadership is hiding a terrible secret. Ooh, that sounds really good. I've heard a lot of great things about this, and I haven't I haven't read it yet, so my husband and I just fin- finished the book we're listening to, and this sounds like one he would like, yeah. so I may have to pull it up and we can listen to it together. You should. You definitely mm-hmm. should. I, um, As I've been reading it, I've been telling everyone I know about it, and basically what I say, it's, it's basically like, I feel like, uh, Divergent and Hunger Games um, meets... Um, how to train your dragon <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds great <laughs> it's really good so that was uh, really great hearing about that book um, but why don't you recommend us one of yours Eliza I'd love to hear about one of your books okay awesome well since we're talking about Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip today I would like to share my forthcoming novel The Queen's Faithful Companion which comes out June 11th And it's an endearing and vivid novel told from the unique multi-narrative viewpoints of young Queen Elizabeth, Hannah Penwick, the fictionalized keeper of the Queen's dogs, and Susan, the Queen's corgi, whose love and loyalty were boundless. Oh, I love that. I love it. I can't wait to read this one. And now I'm just (laughs) curious, do do you have a part in the book where um, where Susan's on the honeymoon and we hear her perspective? Oh, yes. Okay, yay! (laughs) Yes, I do. It's really fun. I had a really good time writing that book, especially from the dog's point of view, just to see like what, you know, what is what is a dog seeing and, and feeling and hearing and understanding. Yeah. So, oh, I love it. it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we hope you have enjoyed today's happy hour chat about Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip's romance. Coming up, we're going to have happy hours with guest authors Catherine Levesque and Alina Adams. Thank you, listeners. See you next time. Bye. Bye. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HistoryBKSWine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. That way you're notified every time a new episode is live. Subscribes and reviews help us get noticed. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers and happy reading.